You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. Now listen, he's not talking literally, go get an axe and, you know, take off your hand for causing you to sin. Because it's not that that's causing you to sin, but it's something deeper. Listen, if your anger, your lust, your greed, your jealousy, your pride, your selfishness is making a bad example of you, is making you look like a jerk or worse, a hypocrite, Cut him off! You've heard the parable of removing your eye if it's causing you to sin? As Pastor Dion explains today, this isn't a literal instruction. Your sin is deeper than that of your eyes. Instead, consider cutting off your anger, short temper, or greed. These are the traits that don't create a good example for others. How can you let Jesus' light shine if the example you set for your friends is one of jealousy? Ask for help. You'll need the power of the Holy Spirit to dissociate from your natural tendencies. Now here's Pastor Dion in the book of Luke, chapter 17, with today's edition of The Simple Truth. Then Titus chapter 2, verse 7. It says, And here you yourself must be an example to them of good deeds, of every kind. Let everything you do reflect your love of the truth and the fact that you are sold out to it. Be an example. Let it shine. Let those things shine. You see, if we aren't intentional about cultivating our spiritual lives and maintaining a good example, we can get careless and clumsy. How many of you have been there? Don't raise your hands. Just, huh? But if we aren't intentional about cultivating our spiritual lives and maintaining a good example, we can get careless and clumsy and we can hurt people. We can allow our hurts, our hang-ups, our heresy, or hypocrisy to derail younger Christians behind us. If we don't maintain those things that Christ asked us to adopt, we'll get careless and clumsy. And before long, we'll hurt people with our compromises. Our compromises can result, as Jesus said, in serious consequences. God holds us personally responsible for the ones who backslide because of our lack. And it ain't pretty. It ain't pretty. God holds us personally responsible. There are serious consequences, and according to Jesus, it's not pretty. You see, Jewish capital punishment was stoning. But Gentile capital punishment, those who were not Jews, the Romans, for example, Gentile capital punishment was a one-way ticket to Davy Jones' locker. Capital punishment for Gentiles back then was to walk the plank with a commercial millstone tied around your neck. That's a 25 to 40 pound stone 
and you were to walk the planet. That was capital punishment. So that's why Jesus said, hey, listen, if you hurt somebody and cause them to stumble, if you are the tripwire, if you are the stumbling block, he says, because of your you know, clumsiness and your compromise, he said, it would be better for you to go through capital punishment than for what you're going to get. Jesus said the judgment for derailing someone's faith and spiritual progress will be worse than capital punishment. Well, what could be worse than capital punishment? Now, Jesus already elaborated on the subject of hell. In his story of Lazarus and the rich man, Jesus described hell as a place of eternal torment, a place where fear, anxiety, and pain never cease. The worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. So Jesus is warning, if you can't be a good example, then you're going to serve as a horrible warning. Now listen, of course, Jesus is talking to people who are doing this intentionally. But nevertheless, the idea is Jesus saying, hey, listen, I want you to be a good example. I want you to shine with good works. I want you to exude a ristra of Character, a character like God. I want you to do that. I want you to be that. Be a good example. Because if you are not and people are hurt because of you, there are consequences. If you do hurt somebody, if you are that person, and in case you want to change your ways, Jesus told us how we can make a U-turn from being a bad example. Aren't you glad Jesus kind of gave us the, the, the whole truth, the whole picture? He doesn't just leave you hanging over hell and, you know, things getting sweaty and hot and, and, you know, feeling condemned. But he says, hey, listen, you can make a U-turn. If you've been a bad example, if you've been clumsy and compromising, he said, you can make a U-turn. Jesus told us how we can make a U-turn from a bad example. Matthew chapter 18, verse 6, Jesus is actually teaching, uh, you know, teasing this same teaching out a little bit in another, at another time. And here's what it says. But if you cause one of these little ones who trusts in me to fall into sin, same subject, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. What sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? So if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better to enter into eternal life with only one hand or one foot than to be thrown into eternal fire with both of your hands and feet. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fires of hell. Now listen, he's not talking literally, go get an axe and you know, take off your hand for causing you to sin. Because it's not that that's causing you to sin, but it's something deeper. Listen, if your anger, your lust, your greed your jealousy, your pride, your selfishness is making a bad example of you? Is making you look like a jerk or worse? A hypocrite? Cut him off. 
the anger, the lust, the greed. Cut it off and cast it from you. Get rid of it. Kind of like the guy who took his car into the mechanic saying that, you know, whenever I make a turn, either right or left, the car makes a really loud, terrible noise, he told the mechanic. When the mechanic took it out for a test drive to identify the problem, he came back in and he gave the man a $100 invoice. The car owner said, what what did you do? He said, I removed the bowling ball from the trunk. (laughs) Jesus said, get the bowling ball out of your trunk. Get it up. Get rid of the problem. Jesus wants us to be a good example. So if there are things that are causing you to be a bad example, start dealing with them. Start cutting them away. It's in Jesus' playbook. Cut them off and get rid of them. Amen? Next, Jesus says, here's something else. Jesus wants you to be a good example, but next to the playbook, Jesus says, I want you to be a great encourager. Let's read it. Verse 3. So he said, take heed to yourselves if your brother sins against you. So first of all, he talked about you sinning against your brother and hurting people. And now he says, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. All right, so here's the next thing. If we're hurting people, we need to deal with us. And in fact, we need to start there. We need to start there. And then here's the next thing. Hey, listen, we're going to see people that are hurting others. And here's what he says. He says, rebuke. So let's say you know a Christian who is being a bad example, tripping people up. You know, as Nacho would say, Nacho Libre, a real douche, you know. Let's say you know that guy. This person is derailing the faith of someone you know or love. How should we handle it? Well, Jesus helps us understand it. Jesus used the word rebuke. And some people think that means Vigilante justice. Going all Charles Bronson on the perp is what they think that means. Rebuke them. You know, do you believe in Jesus? Right? Well, now you're going to meet him. Right? That kind of stuff. No. We don't use guns, us Christians, in this situation. But words and attitudes do just as much damage. See somebody that's doing something wrong, going to go take care of it, or we're going to handle it. Vigilante justice, scolding, slander, sarcasm, separation, you know, condescension. But the idea of rebuke, that's not what rebuke is. The idea of rebuke is to go to the offender privately with the intention of helping them get better. Helping them repent and change directions. Helping them heal and be restored. In other words, no man left behind. So Jesus is saying, hey, listen, if you're the perp, then you need to deal with those problems that are hurting people, right? But when you see others that are the perp, you aren't to go over there and give vigilante justice. That's not what 
rebuke means, but to go and privately with the intention of helping them get better. Jesus explained it like this. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, read it with me. If another believer sins against you, everybody, go privately. Go what? Go privately to that person and point out the offense. Not go to the prayer meeting and let them know what's going on. Not go to five other people and tell them, this is what's been happening. Just so they can, you can get them on your side. No. It's a go to them privately and point out the offense that you're hurt. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. Paul echoed Jesus in this in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. He said, Dear brothers, if a Christian is overcome by some sin, you who are godly, meaning mature, should gently and humbly help him back onto the right path, remembering that next time it might be you who is in the wrong. In other words, don't be an arrogant, condescending judge holding a fixed arraignment on that person. Don't be that guy. Instead, confront the offender with care and compassion because you never know if it will be you or someone you love in the same situation next time. Wow. So don't discourage Encourage. Encouragement is the oxygen to the soul. Everyone needs it. Everyone wants it. Everyone responds well to it. Kind of like this little poem. Flatter me, and I may not believe you. Criticize me, and I may not like you. Ignore me, and I may not forgive you. Encourage me, and I'll never forget you. This is the guy Jesus wants us to be. James chapter 5. Let's read it out loud together. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Be that guy. Right? So, if you've been the offender, stop hurting people. Cut those things out of your life. If you've seen someone hurting people, don't become judge and jury with vigilante justice. Encourage and restore. And if you are the one that is offended, everybody say the word, what? Don't you like the way Jesus deals with hurts? You hurt people, I'm going to show you how to deal with it. You see other people hurt someone else, here's how to deal with it. When you are the one that's hurt, it says forgive. Jesus goes on, Luke chapter 17, and if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Now Jesus started this by saying, that hurts are inevitable. Offenses are inevitable. And since hurts are inevitable, you will catch a few punches. Some unintentional. Sometimes you get hurt and it wasn't intentional. 
And then there are some that is very much intentional. They were looking to knock your head off. They were looking to hurt you. Jesus said, forgive and keep forgiving. And keep forgiving. Here it is. Give unconditional and inexhaustible forgiveness. I'm going to say that again because that's, that's, that's huge, right? Unconditional and inexhaustible forgiveness. Well, what about consequences? What about justice? What about accountability? Well, yeah. But guys, that's not your department. Our department is to forgive. Accountability, justice, responsibility, that's not my department. My department is forgiveness. And Jesus didn't say forgive them only if their repentance looks and sounds sincere. He said just forgive them. The sincerity of repentance isn't our business. Forgiveness is our business. In fact, Jesus is going to say, it's our duty. Now, that's going to present forgiveness in a whole different light. Because see, we feel like we have the power of forgiveness. But you're not supposed to hold it back. It's your duty. Let's read what Jesus says. And the apostles said to the Lord, after he says, you know, unexhaustible forgiveness, they said, increase our faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and you sit down here and, and let me give you something to eat. No, will you not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk and afterwards you will eat and drink, all right? Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants, we have done what was our duty to do. So the disciples heard about this radical forgiveness, and at least they were honest about it. They said, we can't do it. You're asking too much. How many of you ever felt that way about forgiveness? You're asking too much. Can't do it. We need more faith. But Jesus answered, everything you need to be a good example, a great encourager, or a gigantic forgiver is already available to you. You don't need a lot of faith in little old you. You need a little bit of faith in big old God. Did you guys catch that? That's what Jesus is saying. All you need is just a little faith in our really big God. And God will give us the will and the way to do it. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, the last verse in the morning, here's what it says. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. In other words, when you're saying, I can't, 
I need more faith. I said, Pastor Neil, pray for me. Pray for me that I can forgive that person. It's already there. All you have to do is just do it. He'll give you the desire and the power to accomplish it. But you need to step out and begin the process. So, the will and the power to be a great example, the will and the power to be an encourager to help others in need, and the will and the power to forgive when you've been hurt is already there. What will you do with it? Will you trust the Lord and just act on it? Because it is your duty to do it. So I double dog dare you to try it. So listen, if you've messed up, go to your family and your friends, apologize, and tell them that you're going to do better, and then do better. Okay? If you messed up. If you know someone who is messing up, Reach out and help them get back on track. Instead of pointing at them and saying, Oh, look at that. See, see, what hypocrites. Oh, my God. No. Reach out and try to find out how you can help them get better. People are pretty cynical. When you first approach them, especially, you know, you should have a relationship, but when you first approach them, they might get defensive. Especially if you're condescending tones. Nobody likes to be pointed out in their failures. Unless they realize that you're putting around, your arm around them and helping them get up and get back to that place. And even if they don't receive it, that's okay. You do it sensitively, lovingly. Can you say Amen. And if you reject it, it's okay. But you do that. Now, if you've been the one who's been messed with, forgive and forgive some more. And here's a good place to put, you can do it. You can. Because the will and the power to do it is already there. God has given you the will and the power to do His will. Wow. 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 So before you talk yourself out of it, I just can't, I, just, I, I can't, I've tried, I've tried, I've, 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 done, I've done that, I've been there, I've, I, I can't. Wait a minute. The power is there. The desire will be there because God gives it. And if you just step out and start it, a whole new world will be available. As we cling to the simple We're so glad that you tuned in today to The Simple Truth. We pray that Pastor Dion's teaching in the book of Luke has given you a new insight into the life of Jesus and brought you closer to Him. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of The Simple Truth or hear additional messages, 
visit tmcalvary.com. You'll find them under the Sermons tab. You can even experience the video version of these teachings at our YouTube channel. Just follow the link. And don't forget to subscribe. When you do, you'll be notified as soon as we've uploaded new messages that we know will share Jesus' love and truth for your life. Find a link to our YouTube channel at our website. Again, that's tmcalvary.com. Before we end our time with you today, we'd like to offer you the opportunity to be involved in what we're doing here at The Simple Truth. We'd love for you to join us in praying for the people who will be listening to these broadcasts, who may even be hearing about Jesus for the first time. Would you pray that the Holy Spirit would open ears and soften hearts, and that lives would forever be changed? Would you pray also for Pastor Dion and the team here at The Simple Truth? Pray that we always keep our eyes on the Lord, and that we're courageous to follow wherever He may lead. Would you also pray about financially supporting this ministry? Any and all amounts given are useful and greatly appreciated. You can find out more at tmcalvary.com. Just click on Donate. Thank you for praying about this, and thank you for joining us today on The Simple Truth. Show. Let us join our hands and together we stand. Together.